Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Rays have won four out of five games since we last talked to you guys, taking three out of four in Cleveland and then crushing the Blue Jays eight to three on Monday. Yanni Chirinos with five hitless innings in the win. Over the Blue Jays and Austin Meadows, he is red hot. Would he go four for four with a home run and a couple, three RBIs or so uh, the other day in Cleveland? And then on Monday, three more hits and a home run is average now up to 351. But the Rays still trail the Yankees by two games in the American League East. Will the Rays be buyers after June 1st when they don't have to give up some draft picks? We'll tell you who they might be interested in. Indomitian Sue made a couple of big commitments over the weekend, and he signed uh, his deal, of course, with the Bucks. One year, $9.25 million, could reach as much as $10 million. He also got engaged while on vacation in France and did his first interview on, of all places, the Tennis Channel. He's taking in some action at the French Open. And Gerald McCoy could have a new home this week. He's visiting the Baltimore Ravens today. We'll update you on McCoy and tell you why it's newsworthy, even if he's no longer with the Bucks. We've got all that on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great deal on a brand-new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance, call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. Well, I hope everybody had a good Memorial Day weekend as we remembered those who made the big sacrifice for us and those who served in the military. Thank you for your service. Steve, it was good to be off, but, uh, man, a lot happened since we've been gone, especially uh, when you start with the Rays. They had a really good series in Cleveland, of course, winning three out of four against the Indians. And then, of course, they took the game uh, on Monday, on Memorial Day. It could have been four home. out of four in Cleveland. And Jose well, Alvarado really not had a bad ninth inning on Friday. Yeah, he's had a couple hiccups there. And, and I think when we'll talk about this in a minute about what the Rays might want to address, you know, of all the things they could possibly add. And, and they do have money to add players. And it's something I think Stu Sturberg would be willing to do, especially where they're at. Uh, with respect to uh, their start and, and, you know, of course, their positioning in the American League, uh, to say nothing of the L East. But, uh, you know, this team has has had had some injuries. I mean, they are playing with about a third of their roster, I think, guys they were counting on on the injury list. And especially, you know, with respect to the pitching, of course, they they moved Tyler Glass now to the 60-day injury list, and and yet they say it wasn't a setback. But really, if you do the math, it you know, he would have been – it would have to be one, right? I mean, it doesn't add up. Well, they were they, in the initial announcement was four to six weeks for the injury. Now, was that returning or was that throwing? You know, it's a forearm. You know, you know. I guess you know they they generally are aggressive in those you know initial diagnosis as far as the timeline. But 
you know, now they're saying 60 days, which means he won't be back till after the all-star break or he can't be back at this point because they moved him to can't 60 be, day yeah. disabled list. So, um, you know, they're saying it's not a setback. They're saying it was just part of this. And, and, you know, that doesn't mean he's not throwing till after the all-star break and, and doing rehab. He just can't be activated until then. So, um, right. they, you know, Kevin Cash said they, they were planning all along not to have him in the rotation until after the break. So, uh, why yeah. they gave the initial four to six weeks, you know, diagnosis publicly, I don't know. In the meantime, though, they've gotten some really good starting pitching and and some bulk innings, if you will, um, you know, from guys like uh, Chirinos on Monday uh, with uh, five hitless innings against the Blue Jays. He was dominant. He could, it could so have almost been perfect innings. Tommy Pham dropped yeah. the third out right. as a foul ball that went off a catwalk. Uh, and I think it was the third inning, and then he ended up walking two guys after that and got out of the inning. But yeah, I mean they've uh, they managed to spackle it together. So I guess they'll continue to do this uh, until such a time. We'll discuss this in a minute too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, everybody looks at June first, and and the reason yeah. why June first is significant. If you go past that, you can uh, add a player without having to forfeit any kind of draft picks for them. And there was reports that uh, you know that the Rays are still at least monitoring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas, Dallas Keuchel, Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell too, in the and bullpen. Craig Kimbrell, so. yeah, yeah, and Ryan Yarbrough. Let's give props to Ryan Yarbrough too, who got absolutely called up on Thursday and pitched very well. I mean, yeah. in that Indian series, the Rays got really good pitching, other than Alvarado's ninth inning on that Friday. Right. I mean, yeah, you know, they could have swept it. Mm-hmm. But good to take three or four. Cleveland's a good team; they're hovering right around five hundred. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, have strong pitching, and and that's that, that's a good series win on the road. The Rays on the road. Their record this year is incredible. It's at the trop that they actually struggle, to be honest. Yeah, which is a little bit backwards, but uh, you know, good good for them to win on the road. Yeah, and they're eighteen Austin and eight Meadows, on the road, which is phenomenal. Austin Meadows, by the way, is just on fire. I mean, you know, had he not missed three weeks, you wonder what his numbers would look like. They're pretty damn good as it is. Um, but he had that monster game uh, against Cleveland, four for four, leadoff home run. Um, came in spikes high <laughs> on the catcher and then, you know, got dotted because of it. Um, and then followed that up with three more hits again on Monday. His average is now up to 351. Uh, he'll eventually have enough at-bats uh, if he stays healthy to qualify uh, for some of those things. But, uh, man, this is – boy, looking more and more. And we'll see – you know, obviously they hope to get Tyler Glass now back, but he was, you know, the American League pitcher of, of the, the month, if you will, um, I guess in April – and, um, you know, you take those two guys and you look at the Chris Archer trade and there's got to be some people in Pittsburgh wondering what what went on there. Not that Archer isn't a isn't a bad you know, he's a he's a good player. I've heard Kevin Cash talk about that deal and say, look, you don't get those prospects unless you have something really valuable to give up. And they felt that Archer was that guy. Um, but there's no question that uh, Meadows has, you know, really taken over this team and his ability to you know, to set the table early like that as a leadoff guy, runs really well. I mean, can steal bases. He continues to do that. I think he got his seventh or eighth steal on Monday. Um, you know, a, a good base runner and, and, and has scored some runs. And so uh, that that whole, you know, he is carrying them right now offensively. And then, you know, you've also gotten a lot of help lately from Tommy Pham, who is also nearly as hot as Austin Meadows. So, uh, they've got a couple of bats in that lineup, especially high in that lineup, that's really kind of setting the tone for them right now. Yeah, and don't forget in that uh, Archer trade, they also got a prospect named Shane Boz, who's in Bowling Green right, right now in single A, who's had four starts, is a 1.8 ERA, he's 1-0. So. Uh, but, yeah, the top of the lineup, 
you know, I know G-Man has struggled with runners in scoring position. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's there's a lot of fans that have been upset about him staying in the number three hole at this point mm-hmm. because he, you know, he, he's having an okay season, but he's struggling with runners in scoring position. Although, he got the Little League home run on Monday. Did you see <laughs> he this? Did. Yeah. Big now, man running the bases. Now, I, 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 all I could think of is if you, the movie The Replacements, and I don't do a John Madden impersonation very well, but I just wanted to hear John Madden going, and see, so you get a fat guy here, and boom, you know, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all John, I could think of, but he gets, G Man Joy gets the Little League home run. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fun. He got the real home run in Cleveland uh, down mm-hmm. the left field line yes. as well, which was a big hit for him uh, in that series. So, yeah, he's not. He's not your prototypical guy that you want maybe batting third in your lineup, and, and he, they've left a lot of guys on mm-hmm. base. They've, they've struck out a lot, quite frankly, with um, – and not so much him, but they've struck out as a team a lot with runners mm-hmm. in scoring position. But, uh, you know, he's still he, – you know, he's still hanging in there at first base. He brings them energy. He's, mm-hmm. he's a, guy, a good guy to have on your ball club, yeah. really. But you wonder if maybe moving him down the order a little bit may help with that runners in scoring position part. You know, might. Now, now I, I don't want to change Meadows and Fam at the top, you know. No. And the other part is okay if you move G Man out, who you put in, and, and that's always well, the I, thing I, that you know. It's easy to sit there and say, well, Austin Meadows should put there. You know, he's batting three fifty. It'd be Brendan. Well, La- I guess it would be Brendan Lau. I mean, I, I you know, these are your top hitters. Right. Uh, yeah, but you, know, he, you, know, La- he, you talk about striking out a lot. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like that's the guy that can go eight straight at bats with a strikeout. You know, and he started to do a little bit of that in Cleveland the other night. I mean, some He's of the, also capable. I don't know if you heard some of these numbers today, and this is off topic for a second, but Bill Buckner passed away on Monday. I, I heard who that, yeah. Is a, you know, is known for the error in the 86 World Series in Game 6, but yep. was a phenomenal hitter. That mm-hmm. He struck out three times in a game in his 22-year career. You know how many times? Mm-mm. Never. <laughs> wow. He never struck game- out more than 39 times in a season. But the game was, I mean, oh, this, it's, it's the a emphasis game, yeah. is so different. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like this is not, the strikeout is not mm-hmm. a bad thing anymore, which is weird because you'd like to see guys move the ball with runners in scoring position. But right. that is, that's not what we're, that's not the game they play anymore. Right. But there was just some amazing stats from him that, you know, Tony Gwynn struck yeah. out three times in a game once. Once. But Bill Buckner never did. That's incredible. Yeah. Just a, it, that's an off topic strikeout thing. And yeah, the game was very different, but. Bill Buckner mm-hmm. was a heck of a player that, you know, unfortunately gets remembered for one bad mistake. Right. Um, you know, he won a batting title, a 22-year career. He had the second most hits in the 70s and 80s behind Pete Rose. Right. 2,700 of them in those two decades. I mean. It was cruel um, that he'll he'll be known, most known for one thing, and it, that was Mookie Wilson, you know, ground ball going between his legs um, in game six, as you mentioned. There was a. They've done stories on Buckner, and I've mm-hmm. seen interviews with him about it. And, uh, you know, for years he wore the scarlet letter uh, with that. And uh, there was a cruel lead. I don't know if it was one of the Boston papers or Sports Illustrated. I'm not really sure what what article wrote about it. But they talked about how, you know, the Mets, uh, the 86 Mets, when they won the World Series, are talking about the Mets parade route and will go here and, and, you know, down this street and so on, and it'll finish – uh, as it as it goes under Bill Buckner's legs or something like that, it was just really cruel, and um, but he had to wear that for all those years. He was a really good player, and those were good Red Sox teams um, to begin with. But uh, yeah, so that was a uh, that was a sobering uh, loss in the sports world uh, 
you know, over the weekend. But uh, getting back, getting back to the race. So now they continue their series uh, with Toronto. Um, I don't, you know, you look at their record, Steve, and we were doing this before the podcast. I mean, they're on pace to win 102 games. They which are. Which is incredible. Yeah, through 51 games. You're almost at the third way mark of the season. That'll be after Thursday's game. Right. And they're on a 102 win pace, and they would not lead any division in the AL. Doesn't matter what division possible? they're in, they're in the wild card because the Minnesota's got the best record in baseball, and the Astros and Yankees are tied behind them, you know, or you know, just a couple games behind Minnesota. But, yeah, the Rays would be the wild card no matter which division they're in. There's, you know, there's really four – just like last year, there's really six teams right now separating themselves in the AL for five spot, playoff spots. Because you've got Minnesota, the Astros, and the Yankees atop the division. The Rays are the first wild card, and Boston and Oakland are tied for the second wild card. Every other team is 500 or below in the AL. It's shaping up a lot like last year, where there were six teams battling for five playoff spots, and the Rays happened to be the team out of the race last year. And it's the same six teams. Well, it, it was no Minnesota instead of Cleveland. Otherwise, it's the, the same. Yeah, right, right. The Twins, and um, once again, the A's are right there battling, uh, battling. You know, the Rays, um, the Minnesota Twins. I'll say this about them, and, and of course, you know, congratulations to Rocco Baldelli in his first season. As manager there, um, that Twins ball club is is playing great, but they're in the worst division in the American League, and and there's it's not their fault, right? But but the teams they play 19 times each, mm-hmm. um, you know the White Sox, the Kansas City Royals, they're taking care of business, but that's going to obviously help their overall record. And you know the Rays get the Twins, I think, at the Trop here coming up pretty this soon. weekend. This weekend, this yeah, is the uh, so Rays Rays reunion tour with uh, Charlie Montoyo. Coaching the Blue Jays in the trop now, and then uh, Rocco Bedelli yeah. this weekend. And they just got over the Dodgers when they had a split of a two-game series mm-hmm. uh, there against Andrew Friedman and the guys. But, um, you know, I, I think time will tell. I mean, it's hard to imagine the Twins falling off that pace just simply because there's no really team in their division that's going to threaten them or start playing better. Um, so, you know, it'll be up to the other teams like the Rays and, and when they eventually play the Yankees and some of those teams that – We'll see if the Twins can um, can manage to take care of business. But I don't think anybody's going to stop them. And then the Yankees, to me, with the injuries they've had, you'd have to consider them, and of course the Astros right there, but the, the best team in the American League simply because they don't lose. They've won eight in a row now, I think, as, as we tape this podcast. They lost on Sunday. They did lose on yeah, Sunday. Okay, yeah. so that broke their streak. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they, um, they, they've, been, they've been red hot uh, for, for such a long time. They still don't have – a lot of their pieces back. When those guys come back, presumably you would think they would be even more uh, of a formidable uh, team to play. And it's just it, it's just hard to imagine. And then, and then the Red Sox are not that far behind the Rays. So you, you can't uh, not envision them uh, you know, making up some ground at some point. This is a really precarious. I mean, the division is so strong. We've talked about the Astros, you know, and the Rays won that series, first series of the year against them. But they've been incredibly strong. So there's some really good teams in the American League, and, and three of them, including the Rays, are in the American mm-hmm. League East, and that's just there's nothing they can do about it except they can make this team stronger. Mm-hmm. And I really think they're going to, you know, if they're ever going to make a move, uh, you know, with adding some players, and they're in a position to do that from a financial standpoint as far as the money they've spent on payroll, et cetera, um, this is the year. And there's already been reports about their interest uh, in, in uh, Craig Kimbrell as a closer, in Dallas Keuchel. Now, I don't think, realistically, I don't think Keuchel 
is looking to do a one-year deal with anybody. Actually, that's the imagine. talk. Is he is is that he is he would to. like a one-year deal and then go to free agency next year again. Now, unless someone wants to give him a big-time multi-year deal. But let me ask. Let me ask you this: Do you think with the Rays paying Charlie Morton fifteen million, do you think they would then pay another pitcher that much, that kind of money? Well, but if, if let's say you sign him on June second, okay. Mm-hmm. So fifteen million, you're only paying him ten million of that. Okay. You, you know, whatever the salary is, it's prorated. You don't get the full salary sure, what's based on the 100 ten. games okay, left so, or whatever. Yeah. So A third of the season is over, yeah. You know, so you, maybe you – I mean, look, he turned down a one-year qualifying offer of $17.9 million, which is, you know, the Astros wanted to sign him to a one-year deal for seventeen nine. He said no, which is why he's a free agent, which is also why it cost you draft picks to get him because he was given mm-hmm. a qualifying offer he turned down. Mm-hmm. So the thought is, is, is someone going to pay him – 18, 20 million a year for multi years? Maybe, but he might have a better shot of signing a one year deal, whatever it is, whether it's 15 mil, 17, 9, 20, you know, whatever somebody wants to give him. But, you know, showing that, okay, I've been off for two months, three months, I can, I'm still a good pitcher and have success this year and then go to free agency next year. Kimbrell has been said all along that he wants a multi year deal, and presumably because he's a little older too. Look, the starting pitching thing is something they, they could benefit from simply because I, I would still be a little bit uh, nervous about glass now, especially since this thing has gone to 60 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that doesn't change, like you said, his timetable all that much. They may have sort of anticipated, uh, you know, with the rehab starts and whatnot, that it was going to go that route. Um, but, I, I mean, they've managed, at least for now, to sort of weather that with, um, you know, the guys we mentioned um, you know, in the bullpen that can either start mm-hmm. or eat up some innings for them. Um, so, again, it, it's all about the expense and what it costs and all that sort of thing. If I just look at this team right now and I said, you know, could you add another bat? Would that be would that be a good thing? Yeah, I think it. I think it would be a good thing. Depends um, on the position. But it depends on yeah. It depends on who we're talking about. I mean, about if you're going to add an outfielder, you've already got Meadows, Garcia, Fam, and Kiermaier. Now, right. not saying and, you can't find a better bat than some of them, but you know how much better is that bat, and at what cost? Right, and you're talking about guys like Edwin Incarnacion, and um, maybe he could DH or something. I don't know. And then you got Anthony Rendon, which might be uh, a better option. But you know, in reality, I, I don't know. I don't know that you want to you know invest a lot of money there. Um, we talked about the starters with Keiko. Um, you know, there there's some issues there, mm-hmm. of course. And then and then what I would think what it comes down to, what I'm getting to is I think the bullpen is where they need help. Um they came into uh I guess the weekend third in the major league in bullpen ERA. But mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like little, it though. It doesn't it's, feel well, it's like mis- it. it's no, it's it's misleading. And here's why. And John Romano reported this. Um it doesn't include openers. Who throw one or two innings? Yeah, it's including the long uh, guy. So the Torino. But it or, includes or right. It includes Beaks. the bulk guys. Mm-hmm. That's right. Who who throw innings three through five? So you know the reality is is that the Rays aren't doing as well late in the game, and that's where you you really need those guys, right? You need those closers. Mm-hmm. We talked about the struggles Alvarado has had. Um, Tampa Bay's ERA through the first five innings of games is two point five two. From the sixth inning on. It goes up to a whole a full run per game, mm-hmm. uh, three point five two. So that's when you look at a guy like 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 Kimbrel, who you know for all I mean for all we think about Kimbrel because he's a name and he's had some success, 
he struggled down the stretch for the Red Sox last year. Um, so, you know, but he is available. And certainly I think if I were just looking at one area, if they said you can add one area to this team uh, and everything else is just, just going to have to ride it out, mm-hmm. I would say adding to the back of the bullpen is where I would go. I agree. But to me, I would rather sign Keiko than Kimbrell. And would I you? think – wow. And, and, and I think Keiko's a heck of a pitcher. And, I, you know, you're not sure. Kimbrell, as he's getting older – you know, mm-hmm. is he going to start declining? But I think you can really help your bullpen by eating more innings in, at the beginning. That's a good theory. Yeah, and so, that's a good theory. You know, you can it, you know if Keiko could get you later into games, it's using less of your bullpen late in that. Um, you know, I I just I just uh, look, I like King, Craig Kimbrell, and if they sign him, I'd be ecstatic. I think it would be a good move. I I would if so, I, ha- I could only get one of those two that want to come here. I would rather take Keuchel. And I think having a four-starter that could eat up a lot of innings, now you can use Yarbrough or Chirinos or Beaks in higher-pressure situations late in the games, too, for an inning or two, not always having to, to go long innings with them, assuming all your starters are healthy. Um, I think it gives right. you a lot more options than going to Oliver Drake. I, I still think, though, are you comfortable with Jose Alvarado closing a big game and a big moment? And, and again, he's not going to be perfect, and we've seen – what two out of his last four mm-hmm. um, or so? We've seen hiccups, um, but him and, and Diego Castillo. I mean, those are your late inning guys. Those are your guys that you'd have to ride or die with in in crucial you know situations against teams like the Yankees or the Astros or um, you know uh, the Red Sox. Those kind of things. Are you comfortable with that? Are you good saying that's our bullpen? We're going to ride these guys. They're going to be our closer, and that's just the way it's yeah. going to go. Their stuff is good enough, but. As with any young player, you have to learn how to use and trust your stuff. And, and I think there's two parts. Am I comfortable if the, if the playoff started now, that Alvarado? No, I'd be a little nervous every time he came out there in a you know, playoff game. Right. And, and maybe by the end of the year I would be too. But mm-hmm. you know, one of the things the Rays also do and are very patient with young players, particularly in the regular season, is how do you know if they can handle those situations if you never put them in those situations? And they've been great at developing those guys. And if you sign a Kimbrel in that and he closes every game, then how are you ever going to know what Jose Alvarado is? Now, it's a lot easier to stick with guys that are, that maybe are struggling. And I wouldn't say Alvarado is struggling because I think he's, he's had a pretty, he's had a couple outings that are bad, but overall has been really good this season. But when you're a 500 team and not competing for playoffs and not on a hundred win pace, it's a lot easier to stick with them to see what they can do. You know, you have to balance as you're going through this season. You're going to have to balance youth and helping them get better to winning. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's always a tough balance. And, and a lot of times, it works itself out. And you know, who knows if Craig Kimbrell would come here? And if not, you may trade for a closer. Um, come the trade deadline, you know, that's always an option too. Or you know, even before the trade deadline. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, I you know, look, Jose Alvarado and Diego Castillo stuff is good enough. Yeah, it is. Now, a lot of closings mental, too. I mean, we've talked about sure Ryan Stanek, who thrives in the opener role, and for some reason when he comes in in the seventh inning just isn't nearly as effective. Right. And, you know, I, I believe it's mostly mental of, oh, mm-hmm. these, these outs are a little more, you know, every out counts, but, you know, a mistake here, and now all of a sudden we're behind and we only got two innings to, to catch up instead of I give up a home run in the first and we got nine innings to – to play catch up for one run. Okay, no big deal. 
Yeah, they still have some options down there. I mean, I would like to see more of Emilio Pagan in those late innings. Um, we've seen him some, but mm-hmm. I still think he's he's very effective. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a chance, is there not, that, that maybe Jose De Leon makes it back up here um, before too long. He does. And, and that, you know, that's, you know, Brent Honeywell looks like he will not play this year at this point with the Tommy John mm-hmm. setbacks he's had, but Jose De Leon. Uh, could come back later in the season and help, or you know, actually, he could be, maybe by the All Star break could be back helping. Yeah. I, I don't know if they'll throw him into starting roles at that point, but could he help right. in the bullpen? Um, and how effective is he coming back from Tommy John? We'll see. Uh, but right. that that is somebody they could add this season, absolutely. Yeah, Hunter Woods had some moments, but not mm-hmm. not consistent enough. Um, you're right, though. You could see Jalen Beeks later in games if uh, you know if they got another starter, that would be something they could do. Um, they've got to do something. I mean, I think I think they'll make a move. I don't think they'll stand. I don't think they'll you know stand right where they're at. I think they'll continue to try to add to this team. We saw how many players they added at the end of last year. Um, once we get past this June first deadline, I think that's going to be critical. But um, boy, it's it's a good. Ball. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ball club. It's a good. This is a good ball club. I mean, they, you know, they're a little bit streaky offensively. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's going to change. Um, they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to have a couple players get hot and a couple cool off. You know, we've seen Alvisel Garcia at times we've seen Meadows all the time. And, um, you wonder what they would be, you know, had he not missed three weeks. I think Tommy Pham is pretty consistent, you know, um, and they could still get Joey Wendell back. There's, there's some guys that, uh, you know, that could help them, mm-hmm. but it's a good ball club. It, it is, you know, they are. And and they're they're taking apart the teams they need to take apart the Torontos and you know when you when you play these teams like Baltimore some of these other these weaker teams you you have to win series they managed to do that pretty much all year and then it's going to just come down to whether they can get any help from anybody with the Yankees and the Red Sox but they're going to have to at least take them down and win half those games um, you know or or better or win series against them to try to move themselves back up into first place in the American League East it's not going to be easy I mean here they are they're playing as well as they played pretty much all year and they can't gain much ground. They're already two games out. So, you know, the fear would be that if you don't make a move by the time you get to the all-star break, maybe you're too far, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you're too far out of it to, to try to get back uh, and talk about winning the division. I think they're definitely going to make some moves now, whether they're big moves or just adding yeah. some pieces, but, but, you know, even adding just a couple bullpen arms that so give you a little more experience it. in that, you know, two years ago, they tried that. Um, yep. And they added guys like Seashack uh, and Jennings mm-hmm. and a few mm-hmm. others, and, and it really helped their bullpen. Unfortunately, their offense completely dried up for the second half of the season, and, right. and it wasn't very successful. But, you know, they definitely went and added some arms. You know, not necessarily – they weren't necessarily closers, but it was guys to pitch the fifth or sixth or seventh inning um, mm-hmm. to get you to, to your big guys at the back of the bullpen. So I think they're definitely going to make moves. You know, offensively, it's a fun team. I, sometimes they get too reliant on the home run. And I think that's why this team can sure. be streaky at times is, uh, you know, it, it still comes down to, and we've talked about this all season, can they consistently put up crooked numbers on the board and manufacture runs, not just from the home run. Right. And, 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 and they're a young team and, and still trying to figure that out. But, you know, that's still going to be, I think, a big determination of their success, particularly offensively, is, you know, mm-hmm. you're not always going to get the home run ball. So can you manufacture runs? 
you know, you know, getting guys on, getting them over, getting them in. I just wanted to uh, say that I'm, I'm impressed with the defensive player, Willie Adamas. I don't know why anybody would question him at shortstop. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the idiot last week? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, by the way, he's swinging the bat okay, too, of late. I think in the month of May, he's, uh, he's, he's bashing it about, mm-hmm. a, about a 300 and something clip. But um, he looks much more relaxed out there. I'm not the only one, by the way. Kevin Cash has mentioned it a little bit, too. Um, but, but Adamas has, has, you've seen him come to life. He's, Mm -hmm. he's playing with a lot of confidence right now and he looks and, and feels like a different player out there of late. And speaking of defense, you see that catch by Kevin Kiermeyer on Monday? I, I, you know what? I missed it. I heard it was phenomenal. Yeah, he was, I I mean, he, you talk about banging into a wall. He didn't just brush it. I mean, he banged into it and caught it right as it was coming against the wall and held on. Yeah. I mean, he hit the wall hard. You know, you're like, okay, he got his glove on it, but you were expecting the ball to pop out. He hit the wall that hard, and he didn't. He held well, on. Look, he's a phenomenal player. He's a platinum winner. I mean, defensively, you can't, you can never slight the guy. And, and the reason he does get injured is because he's willing to to give up his body. Mm-hmm. What was interesting on in the inside the race that I've now seen four thousand six hundred seventy nine <laughs> times on Kevin Kiermaier working out at UT. At University of Tampa, which congratulations, by the way, to Joe Orso as they go for, uh, what, their fifth or sixth national They're trying for their fifth him? and 19 seasons under him as they made the, uh, God, the final tournament that starts uh, Saturday, I believe. Division two national championships, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just an unbelievable uh, amount of success that, that uh, Coach Orso has had. But, you know, Kiermaier, you know, he practices that. I mean, not, not necessarily the banging of the wall part, mm-hmm. Um, but but he actually drills, um, you know, robbing home runs, going up over the fence and finding the track and, and doing those sort of things. And it's not an accident that he has made a, a number of these highlight catches like Mike Trout um, and some others. It's, it is just an incredible uh, amount of timing and athleticism and how you do that at the trop looking into, you know, the maze of catwalks and, and lights and all those other things is probably even uh, something that people don't begin to consider how difficult it is but he has that he has that knack he has that ability and man when he does it it's uh it's something to behold it really is he's a he's a spectacular outfielder and you can't take that away from him and you know of late he's actually I think he's done a better job of hitting he goes through these stretches Mm -hmm. where you know he takes the ball to left field a little bit and um he'll run into a into a home run every now and then but um you know batting down in the lineup I think is probably smart you know, it takes takes a little bit of pressure off of him, mm-hmm. and and I think that uh, he's you know he's platooned a few games against some tough left-handers, which he struggles obviously struggles with the, the better left-handed pitchers in the American League. So I think that they've kind of got him in a good place, uh, and he's still, you know, for this young team, he's still one of the or, or you know one of the veteran faces, and 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 um, you know the oldest tenured. Uh, Ray, so I, I know a lot of players in that clubhouse look up to him. So he's he's uh, he's doing his job. You know, he's he's doing what he needs to do. So also, as we've started almost every segment while we were away, and Damakon Sue has signed his contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's for one year, nine point two five million dollars. Could be as much as ten million dollars. That's uh, the one of the big commitments he made. Um, and he also, uh, while in France, uh, got engaged. Uh, and, um, you know, so there's, there's another. There's, so he made two big commitments while he was away. But let me talk about the contract just for a minute. One year, $9.25 million. Um, I don't know. You know, last year Sue played. He did a one-year deal with the Rams for, uh, I think, $14 million. 
might have made fourteen and a half million overall, and that was you know that was considered a market deal for him. Of course, McCoy, Joe McCoy, was on on track to make thirteen million this year, and the Bucks didn't pay him that. I don't understand. Like Sue has been out there, and and we don't know what teams have called and, and what offers he may have fielded from them, but he essentially everybody knew he's going to be a free agent since the Super Bowl, and no team that I know of, at least publicly. Uh, offered him a deal, at least not to the point where it became newsworthy. And maybe his agent, Jimmy Sexton, and them didn't put that out there. And sometimes teams, you know, talk about parameters more than, than actually offers and things like that. Um, and, and I'm not sure who the Bucks were bidding against, but it, it seems to me as if, um, you know, they knew they were nowhere with McCoy. They knew they had an impasse there that they were going to release him and had – had Sue, you know, pretty much at hand or almost agreed to terms, uh, were pretty well far down the road with a new deal uh, by the time McCoy was released, which is a smart thing to do. You know, you're losing one player, so you cover yourself with another guy that maybe you even prefer. Who knows? Um, but it, I don't, I don't know that I quite get why the Bucks gave up so much. I mean, I'm not in the negotiations. I guess I don't know what leverage he may have had on them. Um, and maybe maybe they sensed that the Bucks wanted to desperately, you know, fill the McCoy spot with someone who has played and, you know, it can provide some veteran leadership and be a good fit in Todd Bowles' defense and, you know, sort of be an example, if not really a mentor for a guy like Vita Vea. But it seems like a big deal to me. I don't know, $10 million. Um, could you have gotten him for less? Possibly. Uh, again, he had been out there since since the Super Bowl. So, well, maybe the option was: look, deal. I'm getting 10 mil, or I'm not playing. I'm retiring. It could have been he's made 141 million or 50 mm-hmm. million dollars. So that's that's always an option. And Domicon is a different dude that way. So, you know, uh, much like Bruce Arians, right? Bruce Arians was retired. He had a price. Somebody met it. His his conditions, his circumstances, and he agreed to play. And maybe that's what it took to play in Tampa Bay. Remember now, they're a five and eleven team. Okay. They are not a team that is is uh, necessarily picked to win the division or, you know, break this string of 11 straight years without playoffs. So um, that might also have factored in it. You know, if I'm going to go to a place like Tampa Bay when I just came from uh, playing for the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl, maybe that price goes up for him for, from his standpoint. So maybe, you know, th- there's a lot of reasons, I guess, but it just seemed like a lot. Um, but, but anyway, while he was in France, he, he got engaged, which was, uh, was interesting because he did his first interview about, about that and about joining the Bucks of all places on the tennis channel. I don't even think I'd get the tennis channel. I have to check my spectrum, uh, uh, my spectrum channels here, but, um, uh, but it, I'm a big fan of the tennis channel. I watch it every morning. Do you? No, I don't. No, I do get it, don't. but of I course. don't watch it. Well, this is the week to do it. I mean, they're at Roland Garros, sure, of sure. course, and, and, and so are Garros, and, and they're playing the French Open. And, and of course, you know, uh, he was over there watching all the stars, including I guess he has sort of a relationship, if you will, or, or a, uh, uh, at least, a, yeah, I guess it would be a relationship of some kind with uh, Serena Williams, who he said sent his mother a, uh, uh, some kind of gift at some point. I don't know if it was for her birthday or Mother's Day or something like that. But uh, – uh, so, so there is there's a familiarity there with some of the tennis players. He speaks very knowledgeable, knowledgeably about tennis. Um, but uh, that's that's on my bucket list. Look, if I had all the money in the world and and uh, I wasn't with a team and I don't need to be at OTAs, you know what they got this week back here in Tampa? Oh yeah, they got OTAs on Tuesday and on Thursday. 
So you think he's he's sad about missing those? I I don't think so. Um, he had this trip planned, and you know he's going to stay over there in Paris, and good for him. But uh, but it wasn't where I expected his first interview to pop up on. Not that he said a lot. So he had the opportunity to talk with Todd Bowles as well as Bruce Arians, elite coaches that I've had great interactions with. And uh, I like being a part of things that you can uh, and, and be able to put them over the top. And hopefully my talent as well as all the other guys and, and former Nebraskans, Levante David, together uh, and, uh, and change the game there and, and get a winning situation. He was seemed genuinely excited and um, and uh, ready ready to uh, take on this challenge with with the Bucks and. Uh, the second time now he's played in Florida. Of course, he played for the Dolphins. He began his career with Detroit and then last year one season in L.A. But, look, I, I wrote over the weekend sort of what I think Bruce Arians is trying to do uh, with Sue. And, and I think it's about attitude. I really do. I think that uh, he's kind of an old-school coach. I think he likes um, maybe not necessarily, you know, the suspensions and things like this, but a guy that has an edge. You know, Bruce Arians is all about – players who are edgy and he's going to create one if they don't have it uh, and he wants he sort of wants players to fear him a little bit you know there's a little bit of that a lot of that Bear Bryant in him uh, when he talks about you know coach them hard and hug them later and and he is trying to he's trying to mold uh, that defense and that 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 team um, into his image and 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 Sue is a guy that you know is it is a different tone setter when you're bringing in you know, a 21-year-old Devin White to play linebacker and be sort of the the face of your defense for the many, many years to come. And then you got a guy like Vita Vea, who I've always said is, is you know, from a just a demeanor standpoint and off-the-field standpoint is more like Gerald McCoy than he is in Domicon Sue. And yet you put Sue next to him and that, that aggressive nature uh, of playing, you know, beyond the whistle or to echo the whistle is something that, you know, at least by example – maybe it will rub off on a guy like Vita Vea. So you can read my, my column on that. Uh, that was in Sunday's uh, Tampa Bay Times. You can go to tampabay.com and read about that. Meanwhile, boy, Twitter, let me tell you, I, sometimes I love it and sometimes I dislike it a lot. Um, a lot of people have been um, sort of adding me, if you will, about news that we, we publish and, and mostly break about Gerald McCoy. And, um, you know, now he – is trying to find a new team, and we've been following, uh, you know, his efforts to do so. Uh, reported that as many as 10 teams contacted his agent, Ben Dogra. They've had an offer at least as high as $11 million. You, we can speculate how low some of those offers are, and, and every team comes with their own set of circumstances with the salary cap, right? I mean, if you're, if you're the Atlanta Falcons, you have salary cap room, but your priority has to be sort of locking up Julio Jones to a new deal. So everybody has their own set of circumstances and, and, uh, and, and they have to place a value on each player. And, and so they're going through that process. Now, he went to Cleveland, Gerald McCoy did, uh, for a visit last week. Uh, it was kind of like overnight and then the whole next day. And, of course, he, you know, he's a big Baker Mayfield fan just because he went to Oklahoma. We've seen Odell Beckham Jr. and others sort of lobby on Twitter uh, when Gerald was released to come come to Cleveland. Look, the Cleveland Browns offer a lot if you're Gerald McCoy, and it, it seems it seems a little weird to say that you're going from a team that hasn't made the postseason in 11 years, none of the nine years you've been here, hasn't been in the postseason since 07, and then join a team like Cleveland that is the only other team that has gone longer than the Bucks without a postseason appearance. That was in 02 that the Browns were last in the postseason. But look at the Cleveland roster. You know, look at 
at what John Dorsey has done uh, in building that football team to the point where they won more games than the Bucks last season. I know that they, they lost to Tampa Bay in a game they probably should have won at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, but also they're picked to, you know, to sort of, if not win, but, but be at the top of, of their division with Pittsburgh and the Baltimore Ravens who won it last year at 10-6. and six. So, you know, Cleveland is, is a team certainly on the rise uh, in a division where they can compete probably right away. And, and so you can see why that would interest McCoy. Now, today he is in Baltimore. He is visiting the Ravens. Um, that is another team, uh, of course, in the same division. Uh, they've lost some pieces on defense, but they won the division last year at 10-6. and six. Lamar Jackson is back. You can debate whether you think he can continue his success or not. Uh, sort of a, of a run-first quarterback, if you will, uh, for the Ravens. But that is, that's where he's going to visit uh, on, on today. And then I think he's going to take one more visit before he makes a decision. And if I had to guess, I would say that he will probably uh, reach a conclusion sometime around Wednesday or Thursday of this week. He spent the weekend in Orlando with his family uh, celebrating Memorial Day. Uh, so he just, uh, you know, he left Cleveland without a contract. Not to say they didn't offer him one because they did. Um, from what I understand, they did make an offer. Uh, and he is considering it. It's not, well, you know, you let him out of Cleveland, so, you know, that that was your shot. Not necessarily. I, I think that he had made this commitment to visit Baltimore. There might be one other team. Like I said, we've heard some things about Cincinnati, which wouldn't really necessarily reach the level of playoff contender ready necessarily right now. But we know that, uh, you know, Coach Duffner is up there. That was a defensive coordinator for the Bucks uh, after taking over from Mike Smith last year. Um, so there's a relationship there. So we'll see if he visits Cincinnati. I'm not sure uh, what other teams he might want to visit before he makes a decision. But right now, I mean, I would think that uh, not knowing what happens in Baltimore, that Cleveland, it's a pretty strong chance that perhaps he would he would join, um, you know, that team. And that defensive line, by the way, um, you know, has a number of former first-round picks on it. I mean, he's he's going to be playing, you know, with the best uh, group of players that he has played with collectively on the defensive line. So there's a lot there's a lot to like about the Cleveland Browns if you're Gerald McCoy. Now, the one thing I don't get, Steve, is um, some of these trolls on Twitter um, asking why we update McCoy's situation at all, as if you're just supposed to forget, forget about the guy now that he's no longer a Buccaneer. Uh, and I would just say uh, it, it's a couple things on two levels. Like, one, I don't believe that they're really uh, not interested. I mean, perhaps they're not interested, but it can't be as simple as – you know, hey, we only want to read about the Buccaneers. I mean, if you're that short-sighted, what if Gerald McCoy goes to the Atlanta Falcons and plays the Buccaneers twice a year? Are you still not interested? Um, you know, like if you're a fan, then you're a fan of football. If you're a fan of the Bucs, then you follow the whole league because these teams, you know, every four or five years are going to wind up on your schedule even if they're in the, in, if they're in the AFC. So, you know, there's that. And then the other thing is just I think there's this underlying just – I don't know if hate is the right word, but they're hating on this player that spent nine years here. Um, and I don't quite, and we've talked about it, you know, with Gerald McCoy, of course, you know, number three overall pick, um, not Warren Sapp. We can list the reasons why people didn't like him. Injured his first two years, uh, you know, really didn't play all that much uh, in, in, in 2010 or 2011. And, and yet, and yet managed to make six Pro Bowls. Uh, managed to, you know, have almost as many sacks as Indomitian Sue in playing 30-something less games. 
and you know was the captain of this football team for most of his career here anyway i know he wasn't last year had his you know picture on the side of the building yes he sort of became this face of utility um but you know signed a a, a second contract with the bucks which they then then decided not to honor uh, for 2019, not his choice, by the way, it was the Bucks' choice not to honor the 13 million dollars that they said they would pay him. Okay, so here's a player who, you know, decided instead of going someplace else after he became a free agent, he signs with Tampa to stay here and hope that he could end his career with the Buccaneers playing in front of these fans. But because the team decided he wasn't worth the 13 million that they had promised him, uh, then somehow he's a bad guy. I don't, I don't get how people root against successful people. I think there are, there's, on, on some level, there is a jealousy. Uh, um, I don't know what it is, but if somebody makes a lot of money, right, not their money, but market value for an NFL player who makes six Pro Bowls at defensive tackle, if somebody is successful, um, but, they, but they're on a team that you root for and they don't win, that somehow you know you want to root then against this guy. I mean, we don't root against McDonald's, right? We don't root against. Do we root against Apple because they're successful? I mean, you know, I I I don't understand, you know, this whole sort of, you know, he's the reason why the Buccaneers haven't won and get them out of here, good riddance. It just it's weird to me because Joe McCoy has done nothing but um, come out of Oklahoma. Uh, a guy who lost his mother his senior year of high school, um, you know, played at the highest level, made himself a um, you know a top player in a very you know top five conference in college football, was an All American, was drafted number three behind Indomitian Sioux, and yes, folks, there are 31 other teams that would have taken him right there in that draft. Sam Bradford went number one. Everybody had Sue and McCoy, McCoy and Sue going two and three. Didn't matter what order. And so, you know, you look at that and you go, he didn't ask to be – I mean, he, he put himself in position to have that draft spot, you know. Everybody thought that he was worthy of it. So he wasn't overdrafted. That's, that's what the evaluators said. And every coach that I've talked to on conference calls before every game that the Bucks have played during his nine years here talked about having to account for Gerald McCoy on that defense first, not Levante David not even Rondé Barber when he played here, none of those guys. It was Gerald McCoy that they had to account for. And I would just say go back and look at the players that were playing with him because there weren't any good ones, okay? Um, there just weren't. I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul, God bless him, last year had 12 and a half sacks. Gerald probably had something to do with that as well. But um, aside from him who didn't make the Pro Bowl, you had Michael Bennett one year have nine sacks and then go to Seattle and become a Pro Bowl player. So he really hasn't had a ton of talent inside around him, and yet somehow this is the bad guy. So for those of you who you know don't want to hear about Gerald McCoy and wonder um, why we follow them, first of all, it's newsworthy. We're going to continue to do it because we cover the NFL and anything that affects the Bucks. and he's a former Buck icon uh, as a player. Simple as that. And then secondly, I don't understand the hate. You might want to check yourself about that because it just doesn't add up that this is a guy that, as Buccaneer fans, you should be proud of because of the way he can, you know, conducted himself on and off the field. You don't have to say he was as good as Sap because nobody is as good as Sap. You may not like him because of his temperament or something like that. Maybe you want mean guys like you're going to get in Ndamukong Sue that get suspended uh, three games or get fined $600,000. Well, we'll see 
if that's better or not for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But this whole hate of Gerald McCoy and um, you know the constant back and forth on Twitter, I just don't understand it. And um, and I'm not going to say any more about it. You have your right to say what you want to on that forum. That's fine. Um, but that's my two cents about McCoy in the nine seasons that I covered him. Um, you know, he's worthy of at least your respect, if not um, more than that. And I just wish people would, uh, if, if you want us to move on, perhaps you should move on uh, and, and not waste so much time and energy uh, demeaning a guy who's had a great career by any measure, whether you're talking about accomplishments on the field, off the field, or financially, this guy is more successful than most players in the NFL. All right, so later today, the Rays continue their series against the Toronto Blue Jays. It'll be Ryan Stanek as the opener. Ryan Yarborough uh, will eat up the bulk of the innings and try to duplicate uh, what he did against Cleveland. Had a good performance there. The Bucks are back at OTAs. They have two this week. Um, this morning, of course, they'll be at One Buck Place working out there. Uh, also, on Thursday, we'll have media availability at both those days. And so we'll tell you the latest on Bruce Arians. This will be the first time that we've had a chance to talk to him about uh, the signing of Indomitian Sue and where he sees him contributing to that defense and what it was about Sue um, that, that made the Bucs uh, make that deal. So we'll, we'll hear from Bruce Arians. Hey, folks, we know you have also a choice of air conditioning uh, places. And uh, remember now, for 30 years, um, Millionaire has, has really been the best in Tampa Bay. And right now you have a chance to take advantage of 0% interest for 72 months on the qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 and do that today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 